morning, everyone, slash afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, today is Monday, February 10th, 2020. You're watching the Daily Kofefi live on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, albeit slightly lately, late, by uh, <laughs> by Carrie Smith. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> Hi, Carter. How are you? How about you? Can you put your whole head in frame, or is that a lot too much to ask? Oh, is it not in frame? Hold <laughs> on. I'm discombobulated. <laughs> See what I have to deal with, everyone? But I think... Now. I think that um, I think someone was waiting for you. I think Genevieve uh, was having to board a flight, and she really wanted to wait for you to see you. So here's Carrie. Hi, Genevieve. Now you can board your flight. I hope I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Now it's getting. uh, Now there are consequences. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes, there are consequences, Carrie. (laughs) (sighs) How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. This is still technically my weekend. Um, That's true. But, How was the weekend yeah. during which you worked? Like the weekend. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> it was good. I've been reading a lot and I went to church. I'm going to, I'm trying out a new church now and that was cool. And he talked about Joan of Arc, which made me go back and read a lot of her old quotes. And that was kind of interesting. And, um, and what else? I don't know. It's been, it was good and relaxing and uh, restorative. What about yours? Good. Weekends are good time for restoration. Yeah, it was good. Uh, We got to have no power again yesterday because there was massive windstorms and trees falling all over the roads and stuff. So that was good. Um, But uh, I actually watched the Oscars, which I never would do. Like, it's not a thing I do. Uh, But we met some new friends um, and... They were like, oh, we have like a little Oscars get together where we make fun of the Oscars. And I was like, you know, you guys should come over. And I was like, oh, making fun of them, I guess. Maybe I should go over and do yeah. that. Um, so, uh, was it fun? Yeah. I mean, I, it was fun. Um, it reminded me of the kind of people I normally hang out with. Cause like if you and I, Carrie, were going to make fun of the Oscars, it would all be about like how woke they were. But this was more like regular making fun of celebrities kind of stuff. Less, uh, less. Because uh, I mean, I just I think most people aren't uh, focused completely on social justice and stuff as much as we are. But it was fun, um, yeah. and uh, I remembered why I don't watch award shows or even most mainstream media. It was a good reminder. So, so most of the time, I was thinking about this because we talked about enjoying you know, intermittent fun. Carter enjoys intermittent. What is it? Intermittent frivolity. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely, by the way, I feel like I'm uh, I could be like a, a really mean boarding school person. It was like, now it's time for your intermittent frivolity. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> well, so, so everybody's idea of what is intermittent frivolity is different. And so for some people it's award shows and that's totally fine. It's not for me. Um, I do right. enjoy like, like, okay. Elizabeth in chat says mystery science theater, 3000 of the Oscars. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Oh, Elizabeth. Um, totally. Yes. Yeah. But so everybody's got a different idea of what that is and to each his own. Like I enjoy play every once in a while playing video games. Like that's frivolity. I enjoy, you know, we all have different things that we enjoy doing. It's kind of like, it's not meaning, it's not purpose. It's just fun. And in moderation, cool, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And some the, of those I, mea culpa, I sometimes play video games as well for fun. So, yeah. Cool. 
Well, so sometimes things that are not necessarily my thing are still even fun if I'm enjoying it, if I'm with people who really, it's their thing, because that's contagious when they get people get excited, right? So like sports, I'm not usually that into them, but I can be into them if I'm hanging out with people who are really into a certain game. And I can get into it too. And the same thing with award shows. So like going to a party like that sometimes is surprisingly fun. I've been to some of those shows where they give you the ballots and you pick like who you think is going to win. And Yeah, we did that. I failed miserably, but yeah. You failed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think, uh, I think my daughter, if you add my wife and my picks together, I think you get my daughter's score. She did way better. And I don't think she saw any of the movies. So, How did she pick? Just randomly? Random. Yep. That's funny. So, That's like Super Bowl picks. I used to pick the whichever mascot had an animal, and if it was two animals that I liked, then which animal do you like better? And I would actually in the polls in those Super Bowl picks do really well because mine was kind of random. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I okay. I do agree with you that um, intermittent frivolity is is fine. Um, however, it did uh, the award ceremony did make me. It did remind me how much um, how much in our culture we really, really worship people whose fame is due to something completely uh, not tied to morality and completely irrelevant, just like not tied to anything good they've done. And so, Carrie, I'm going to yeah. can I read an excerpt? You read stuff. Can I read something that I yeah think is relevant? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Sir John Glubb wrote, I think it was in like the seventies, he wrote this, um, little, I kind of want to call it a pamphlet called the fate of empires, where he talks about rise and fall of empires or average lifespan, that kind of thing. And in the late stage of empires, he has a section, which I didn't realize was titled this way, but I think he, um, he's Nostradamus and he titled it this way specifically so that I would, you know, 30, 40 years later, look at this and this chapter would resonate with me. So uh, here's the title of this section, Frivolity. (laughs) (laughs) This is about the fall of empires and I'm just gonna read the highlighted parts. As the nation declines in power and wealth, a universal pessimism gradually pervades the people and it hastens the decline. He talks about Rome a little bit. Then he writes, frivolity is the frequent companion of pessimism. Let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The resemblance between various declining nations in this respect is truly surprising. The Roman mob, we have seen, demanded free meals and public games, gladiatorial shows, chariot races, and athletic events were their passion. In the Byzantine Empire, the rivalries of the Greens and the Blues in the Hippodrome attained the importance of a major crisis. Judging by the time and space allotted to them in the press and television, remember this is written in the 70s, football and baseball are the activities which today chiefly interest the public in Britain and the United States, respectively. The heroes of declining nations are always the same, the athlete, the singer, or the actor. The word celebrity today is used to designate a comedian or a football player, not a statesman, a general, or a literary genius. So that... uh, that about sums it up for me. I don't think I could say it any better than he did. So, Yeah, and I, well, I will say this. It made me think of something. So at the end there, he says literary genius. So he's setting yeah. literary genius aside as someone who's deserving of worship, celebrity or whatever. 
Right. And but see, the thing is, literary genius so. to me is is not that far removed from a musical genius. Okay, so he mentioned singer as someone who doesn't deserve celebrity, but literary genius does. I think there's a distinction to be made between, um, and and the same thing with actors. There are actors who actually I think are a genius at their craft, but but there's a distinction to be made between people who are actually really gifted in the arts and people who their primary talent is being a celebrity and then they just happen to dabble in one of the arts, but they're um, not really gifted in it. Like in the past, well, let me finish this thought real quick. Like in the past, yeah. I would say, um, I've heard someone talk about how, I can't remember where I heard this, but how we used to have movie stars and now we have celebrities. Like we used to have film stars and now we have celebrities. And I took that to mean like there used to be people, I mean, I'm biased, but for example, I love Betty Davis. I adore Betty Davis. I think she's a genius. And I wouldn't call her, I, I wouldn't say that she's not, wasn't deserving of celebrity because I think what she did with the craft was amazing and really different in some ways. Um, but now we have people like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to pick on anyone in particular. Who should I pick on? Kardashians. I mean, who's okay. Like the Kardashians, right. <laughs> or we, or like an actor who's not that great, but who, um, there's a ton I could pick from, I guess, but there, it doesn't, it doesn't take the same amount of talent anymore to be an actor. And it's more about like, are you good at being a celebrity? Right. And so I think there's a difference there. Does that make sense? I agree that there's a difference there. Uh, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I, for me, I, I think what he's talking about is, um, I don't think he's saying comedians or football players. When he says football, he means soccer. He's, he's right. Um, right. Football players, uh, actors, singers. I don't think he's saying that they're not talented geniuses. Um, I think what he's saying is, and and again, I don't necessarily agree with his um, political ideology, but. He's putting, when he says statesman, statesman, general, or literary genius, I think what he's saying is um, people who are um, doing something that he views as more important, devoting their lives to um, the betterment of humanity in a meaningful way. When he says literary genius, I think, I think, he's, I think he's meeting people that are um, capable of kind of synthesizing uh, uh, complex ideas and distilling them to really important truths that that can be communicated very clearly to people. When he says a general, he's imagining people who are courageous and and fighting for what he would view as as freedom and and the you know the quote right moral right. Um, I think he similarly imagined statesmen as um, servants doing like devoting their lives to the betterment of humanity. So I don't necessarily agree with those the the sentiments about generals and statesmen and everything else, but. From his perspective, I think I think his point is not some people are geniuses and some people are just good at being celebrities. I think his point is some people are geniuses at things that are of uh, more value to society and of moral import, and some people are really good at throwing a ball, and those aren't the same thing. And, right, but there are and, some okay, so. but which cat, which ones, which talents would you put in the benefits of mankind versus the ones that don't? Because would you put music like I just watched a movie last night about Chopin, right? And I didn't know much about his personal life but he's a genius and 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 he's someone who you might say is in my mind sometimes people artists are sort of acting as they're like channeling this is going to sound hippy dippy the christian but like channeling um god 
Like they're sort of helping you connect with something um, that's spiritual in a way. If the music is really a genius and like moving. Right. You know well, don't, I mean? I mean, don't be manichaean about this. I'm not saying just because. What's that word mean? Wait, wait. What? Don't accuse me of something. I don't know what it means. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, don't be like, don't be like black. This is not like a black and white. This isn't a one or zero. This isn't a binary thing. It's not like acting is useless. I'm not saying that music right. and acting is oh, okay. useless. And I don't think he's saying that either. I think he's saying yeah. that those things are, um, there's a sliding scale of thing like entertainment is of course valuable. We're not saying don't enjoy entertainment and don't have respect for people who are really good at entertaining you. Like absolutely. And there's, you know, I'll, I'll use this word, uh, carefully. I'll put it in quotes, uh, cause I'm an atheist, but like there's spiritual fulfillment that you can get from, from the arts. And like, that's not bad. That's, that's a, that's a fine thing. I think what he's saying is, um, those things are not the most important things in life. They're not the end all be all. When those things become the focus at the expense of things that are actually important. Um, right. And so you see, just as an example, let's take someone, um, I'm trying to think, let's, okay, uh, since I was reminded of him, this person by AOC the other day, which we'll talk about in a minute maybe, but Milton Friedman, right? Okay, uh, very, very important, contributed a lot to actually the, uh, to economics and to the, um, what I think could be the betterment of mankind philosophically, or e even just historically, look at Frederick Bastiat or, or people like that. Like there are people who have done real difficult intellectual work to communicate ideas that could actually move humanity forward. Well, uh, Joaquin Phoenix was really good at being Joker. Was that fun? Yes. Was he good at it? Yes. Is that as important? No way is that as important. And so it's not that the two are even elevated equally. It's that um, one category of wait, people wait, are is just that as, not Is that as attention. important as what? Huh? Wait, wait, wait. What, was he good at being Joker? And then you said, was that as important? What do you mean? Is that as important as, uh, is that as, important as convincing people about the value and importance of free markets or fighting against communism or standing up for the truth and being a whistleblower. Here's a great example. Maggie Oliver, who we're going to have on the show. Maggie Oliver was a whistleblower in, um, uh, for the, she used to be a detective at the Manchester, uh, in Manchester, UK. Uh, and she was a whistleblower about these, uh, child rape gangs. Now, um, child groom, grooming gangs. Um, now she's done, in my opinion, she has done way more good than Joaquin Phillips or Phoenix, right? Then Joaquin Phoenix, uh, way more good, but, and it's not that she has no celebrity. Like she's got some status and people kind of know she is. She's been on some shows and she does talk. So it's not like we ignore her completely. But, um, if you look at the difference between how we treat Joaquin Phoenix and how we treat someone who actually is making a difference, probably in the lives of thousands of, of innocent children in the UK, um, it's, it's out of whack with what would be a culture focused on morals. That's, I think that's his point. I can't speak for the guy. I, I get that, dead. but I also have a um, devil's advocate position. I both agree with that and then don't agree with it, depending on how we're talking about things. Does that make sense? It like, might I agree make with sense it. if you explain it to me, but it doesn't yet. Well, okay, so every, like if you think about how, um, again, I'm gonna make a Christian reference, but it doesn't have to be Christian. When they talk about like, the body of the church and everybody has a different role to play and you might be the finger <laughs> or you might be the leg bone now. 
but the point being that not everybody has the same talents and gifts. And so, um, I think the bigger issue is like, well, Joaquin, for example, I personally think if we're talking about him specifically, I think that movie was really, I think that movie was really great for a number of reasons. And maybe, maybe it helps wake people up to some people up to how the media operates. And that might, that's a very positive thing. If it helps shed a light, like turn a mirror on the media, it's hard for me to say, I'm not saying, I'm just saying there's an, I think there's an argument to be made. It's like, how do you measure these things against each other? If that's his talent and he used it to this effect. Awesome. I don't think most actors do that. I think most actors act in films that are just completely frivolous. Not, not, you know, like that film I wouldn't say is completely frivolous. It's both entertainment, but it also shines a light on something real. I, I don't I don't disagree right. with you about that film, right. but his role wasn't to write the film. It wasn't to direct the film. It wasn't to bring the film to light. His role was to act, um, which is important, and he was good at it. And yeah. um, and I don't think that he shouldn't get any adulation for it. I'm not arguing that. And, and I see someone in chat saying, you're saying we should only focus on culture and politics. Nope, not what I said. Not what I said. Uh, <laughs> I said there's an emphasis on one over the other. All right? And so what I'm saying is, and I think what, and I'm actually trying to interpret what Sir John Glubb was saying is that I I think he's saying that in these later stages of empires, the focus is unduly yes. on things that are of less import, right? Oh, I totally agree. Generally. Well, then let's take Joaquin Phoenix out of it because that makes it complicated because I actually think that movie was more than something frivolous. Let's let's. Okay, I just use him as an example, some, so it could be anyone, sure. Right. So let's pick someone who's completely. Let's pick someone who, you know, let's take an actor who's in completely frivolous films that don't show light on anything, who's worshipped, and then you compare that to this. You know, I definitely agree that the focus is on the wrong things, and you and that we um, we make. So, I mean, I've thought about this for a while. For example, why do we have award shows for movies? Why do we want to watch these people uh, get pat themselves on the back and self congratulate themselves? For being in movies and I was thinking about like we don't have award shows for like doctors or like you know it's not like who did the best the best surgeries this year and they all line up and get a you know like we don't watch that right. and and look and look who like the person who um people who get Nobel prizes that move medicine forward and will end up saving the lives of millions of people they make way less money they get way less celebrity like again i think there's someone else again someone in chat's like i think they're both important but in different ways fine i'm saying the importance is not balanced appropriately that's all i'm saying I, and i think that's yeah, all actually not- i'm saying it but i think that's what john glubb was saying the importance was not oh. appropriately balanced that's that's i agree the point. not appropriately balanced yes we totally agree on that okay so, that yeah cool. and i don't know what the right balance is i don't think that there should be no attention paid to good actors who are doing things obviously that's valuable just like there shouldn't be no port in like there shouldn't be no attention paid to athletes who are very entertaining and, and really good like uh, obviously but um you know those things are what they are and there's categories of things that are i would argue probably more impactful to mankind that are that are simultaneously completely ignored so it's the it's it's you money and celebrity are a way to view how society values different things. And you can clearly see that our society values big budget CBI blockbusters, CGI blockbusters, oh, totally. and rich celebrities congratulating each other on television 
much more than, for example, someone curing diseases. Oh, our culture, totally, yeah, we absolutely value it more, and they, they get paid millions of dollars because we value it more, and you know. Um, so I didn't watch the Oscars, and I forgot it was happening last night. <laughs> good. And, good, but good this, for you, Carrie. <laughs> but this morning, uh, yeah. one of my friends shared this, this tweet from Ricky Gervais, which, again, I love Ricky Gervais. You know, we saw him do that really great takedown of celebrity culture, the celebrity worship that we were talking about on, yep. at the Golden Globes. And also making fun of their hypocrisy. Like nobody wants to be receive a moral lecture from the elite of the elite. Do you know what I mean? Like it just and and it's like they don't seem to get it because I heard that the Oscars was just worse than it's been in the past. That it just ramped up again in terms of sanctimony. But anyway, so Ricky Gervais said somebody asked him on Twitter. Question for Ricky Gervais: If you were hosting the Oscars tonight, what's your first best joke? And he says. I can't wait to hear all your inspirational speeches about equality. And it's great that the three hours you're here tonight is the only time your badly paid migrant house staff will get some time off to sleep this week. (laughs) (laughs) I actually heard it. I saw him do a different one, something about pedophilia as well, but I don't remember. Oh my God. Same answer. Same question. I think he had a different answer, but yeah. Um, He gets it. He totally gets it. Like he's a comedian of the people at this moment. Like he's become... Yes, and, and so that. is so is your favorite publication, the Babylon Bee, Carrie. Did you see this? Oh my gosh. Let me see. <laughs> Nation's wealthy privileged gather to lecture nation on evils <laughs> yeah. of wealth. Privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. That's from last year, but I love it. They oh, pulled it, it out. Oh right. yeah. Okay, you're right. I just noticed the date. I just saw it going around today. It's they probably they can just yeah, reuse it. It goes it around after something. every yeah, they can reuse yeah. it because they do it all the time. They always gather to lecture us. Yeah. You know, um, I do want to say something. Have, do, are you aware of? I want to go back to Joaquin Phoenix really briefly. Are you aware of what his speech was like, Carrie? No. Oh wait, did he talk about PETA and animals and stuff? He gave. So first of all, um, the thing I don't watch. Like I, ha, I don't know when the last time I saw the Oscars, if ever. I don't. I'm like I'm not that kind. Of, so I don't know if this is normal for him. Um, he. I felt like it wasn't Joaquin Phoenix giving the speech. I felt like it was the Joker. It made me question whether he's actually a good actor or something's wrong with the guy lately and he's just really screwed up. He was like totally – like if you if you heard I that guy – if that guy was at a Starbucks and you were the manager, you would ask him to leave politely. Um, like, he was – something was wrong. My gut – okay, wait, wait, wait. My armchair analysis, which I shouldn't do, but – and I haven't even heard the speech, but – my bet would be that something's wrong with him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> something appeared to be very wrong with him. So aside, so there was that, that was like the first shocker that I was like, oh, I thought he was a really good actor, but maybe he just is the Joker dude now. I don't know. Um, so he was kind of unhinged and he gave this rambling speech. Now I can ramble sometimes, so I can forgive him for that. But he gave a rambling speech about, uh, Basically, veganism, complaining that we steal baby cows from their moms and we steal the milk that's meant for the cows and all this, um, all this kind of vegan propaganda crap. And um, it was just so uh, over the top, crazy town. Uh, But they gave him a lot of time to speak. I don't think the music cued him off stage they let him get up there and spew his thing 
And um, it just was a reminder. To, it's, it's odd to me how out of touch with reality in the lives of regular people Hollywood can be, yet still so captivating to so many regular people wanting to, wanting to watch. I don't know. Carrie was covering her mouth when I switched the camera to her, so I'll just switch back. Wait, are you... Sorry, I was eating grapefruit. Okay. <laughs> so, not animals. I was eating grapefruit. Um, a friend shared a billboard in, I think it's in Georgia, of him. It's a, it's a big PETA billboard with Joaquin Phoenix. And it says, we're all animals. And then at the bottom, it says, in speciesism. So yes, he, speciesism he said something train. about humans not being superior to other species as well, which is just... Uh, I I don't know how you like. Then just he should just go kill himself. Like I don't understand what's the if he steps on an well, ant, what happens? Does he commit seppuku? I'm not. I don't know what his brain is doing. Um, someone pointed out in chat he did he did say cancel culture was BS. He did, but he was. It was like the worst possible way to say cancel culture was BS. It was not very strong. It was not very well worded maybe just because he was unhinged, but he, he kind of was like, he kind of said that, but well, it was tried, in the midst so of this cool. like I mean, cow crap. People are not all one thing or the other thing. People, you know, that's cool if he said that. I'm glad he said that. You can say something that yeah. I agree with and also in the next sentence say something I don't agree with at all. And that's fine. That's like I shared a, an article from, um, it was an article from Vox about, uh, um, oh gosh, What's the what's the Democratic strategist who's married to the Republican strategist? James Carville. James Carville. Yeah. Yeah, and so in in it in it it included James Carville was basically saying he's scared to death about the twenty twenty election and alarmed and because he thinks the Democrats are gonna lose because we're, they're doing everything wrong. And but he also said some and I actually agree with that. And then he also said some things in there about Bernie. I think he got wrong. I think he's wrong about which candidate actually stands the best chance of beating Trump. But the funny thing is when you share something like that, um, we, we're, we're living in a time where people assume that you're co-signing everything you share and that right. these are your words. And it's like, I always have to point that out. I'm like, why do we have to keep doing that? It's like, dude, like this is an interesting article. I actually might share an article with quotes from that I don't agree with at all because I think it's interesting. You know, like the the I'm tired of having to say, like, these aren't my words. And people will come into comments and be like, you know, well, defend this kind of thing. I'm like, I'm not going to defend that defend that because I didn't say that. Like, like, but you know, you can agree with one thing a person says, and and we don't have to like. I, I'm I'm tired of us feeling like we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, or that's how they that's how they get us on this guilt by association thing. Anyway, they're like, oh, you once talked to, um, you know, uh, who's the guy I did his show, Gavin, um, McGinnis. Why oh, you talked to Gavin McGinnis? You know, here, co-sign everything he ever said. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't have to, to right. talk to I, him. Just to be clear, I wasn't disagreeing with that. his point no, on cancel culture. Right. I just say he didn't say it well. That's all. Uh, right. Look, don't. Uh, well, here, just because I'm saying something, don't assume I'm accusing you of it. Well, I'm just. You were you were reacting <gasps> okay. to like, oh, I don't think he said it well, right. and you're like, whoa, oh, but that's okay. And then you went on this rant. I just want to be clear. Yeah. Like, well, it just made me think of that. It just made me think of that. That's all. I yeah. wasn't talking to you. I mean, uh, I was talking to you, but I wasn't talking about you. Look at you. All right. Um, yeah. So anyway, he was he was uh, he was unhinged. That's I don't know. The speciesism thing was weird to me. Um, but 
What do you got, Carrie? I've, we got some other stuff we could talk about. What do you, what is, uh, what's on your mind? What did you want to talk about? Um, I, I caught her eating it. No, <laughs> somebody in the chat says, Ree! sorry. Sometimes I, I'm sorry if I sound bitchy sometimes. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, well, whatever. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry that I sound bitchy. You really um, shouldn't be sorry. Even I don't want you to be sorry, even if you're bitchy to me. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, get over it. Because I am an ass to you sometimes. Let's be honest. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have there been any big name Democrats who have responded to Carville? Wombat ass. I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, I think uh, just to finish my thoughts on him specifically, since it's a side note, but since I brought it up. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because although I think he gets some things wrong about which Democrats actually stand the best chance of winning, I do think... Um, I do, I do think it's good to see an establishment Democrat admitting that they're not in a very good position to win, to persuade and win over voters. I don't think that they realize how many people are walking away. What did and, he think? What did Carville think? Who, who did he think was the most, uh, like the, the best candidate to place in, in, against Trump? I don't know if he named any by name. I'm trying to remember, but he he seemed to be one of the more like let's uh, he he basically was like let's go with an establishment Democrat, middle of the road. Oh please, yes, nominate Joe Biden. I will love the Democratic Party for that. He was basically like you know Bernie's a socialist and that's too far left, and and I'm like no, you don't get it. It doesn't matter. He may very well be, it may be accurate to describe him that way, but that doesn't matter he is a populist and he's something different. So I think, I think where he, his comments, where he got it wrong is that he doesn't understand why people voted for Trump and why people voted for Bernie and why people who voted for Bernie ended up voting for Trump. If you think that, if you think that him being a quote socialist is, is reason enough that people are not going to vote for him. I don't think your eyes are very open to why they're voting for him in the first place. It's like Um. my uncle, that I mentioned to you, who's a Republican, who told me during the primaries that he was either going to vote for Bernie or Trump. I'm like, what? Yeah, I do. I do think Bernie. that uh, I do think that the younger generations, and I'm not going to count, Carrie. I'm going to count you and I now in the younger generation category, even though we're we usually oh, consider ourselves in the old generation. I know that'll make make. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, the younger generations aren't as turned off by the world's word socialism, and so they don't understand that actually. Bernie won't get many votes in the old from old people at all, and old people are a huge voting uh, block. And uh, I think I think I saw his numbers the other day. I don't remember, but they were like among the older voters, extremely low likability because socialism is a toxic word to people who weren't indoctrinated in school. So um, I think I I actually think uh, although. A lot of the young feeling, it's like, oh, people don't worry about the word socialism. I think that's true for younger generations. It, it's sad. I wish people did worry about the word socialism, but they don't. Um, the older generations, as much as I dislike a lot about boomers, uh, m- many boomers are like, socialism? I'm not voting for that dude. They, maybe they just won't go vote yeah. if they don't like Trump. But uh, So I think he might be less wrong than you think on that issue, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, anyway, I don't agree. I think, I think he's wrong on that. But hey, so Blackbeard in the chat says, wait, are you guys saying that if you keep alienating rational people, you'll lose elections? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
If that were true, <laughs> neither party would have any votes for decades, Blackbeard. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then Nicole <laughs> says, and this is a this is a very good point. Nicole says, how can you argue against someone when you don't even know what they're actually saying? Art of War 101, know your enemy. Exactly. Okay, can I share an, an anecdote with you, Carter? By the way, yes, if I if I can quickly say to Wombat of Doom in yeah. chat, I know there's boomers in chat. I get it. Boomer is, I can, actually, we can talk about boomers in a little while because uh, it's something, I, if we have time, I want to bring up a little bit because someone asked about it on Twitter. But um, I mean a specific thing when I mean boomers. I don't mean necessarily everyone. I can speak in general generalities about boomers. Some boomers are great, especially if Wombat of Doom, if you're a boomer, you're a great supporter and you give us lots of uh, topics to talk about. So I'm not talking about you. Okay, Carrie, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Well, just the idea of like, they don't, they don't get that they're losing strategy. Like they're doubling down on hatred and vitriol and um, extremism and hysterical, you know, Trump is a Nazi kind of narratives. And they don't get that that's losing them people and they don't seem to care. I don't think they care. I don't think they care. You're right. Yeah. So I sent Carter these messages yesterday. (laughs) Can we talk about this quickly? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, because I think if this is a good example to remind people, there's a lot of people out there like this. I used to have a lot more people like this in my feed than I do now. There's a lot of leftists like this. Uh, this woman posted, her name's Stacy, I'm not gonna out her last name. And it's not the Stacy who we love. It's not the beloved Stacy. It's a different <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> so you don't Stacey love said, this Stacy, is that correct? I know that I should love <laughs> <laughs> aggravate me I just I wanted to put you on the spot that worked <laughs> I haven't achieved that yet no um, I, I, it would be a good exercise to try to I, I absolutely believe in putting people that you don't like at the forefront of your prayers because I think it's good for you or your meditation or whatever it's good for you to do that but anyway no I'm not there yet <laughs> so she says she basically did a post um, saying, you know, hey, some 2016 Trump voters are not voting for him again, like all caps. If you voted for Trump in 2016 and are not in 2020, can you please tell us why? And then there's just a bunch of responses from her friends who all agree with her. And all they're doing is posting insults, like because they grew a brain. But there's not actually anyone, not one person who responds and says, yeah. me. Right. You know, I voted for him and I'm not going to this time. And here's why. Nobody responds that way. So she's in trying fact, to create a false narrative because they're worried about the walk away thing, which is a real narrative. OK. Yeah. Or she just delusion. She's delusional and thinks that there are people like that, that who on her timeline and it just turns out there aren't any. But instead, she gets a lot of the opposite is true. She gets some friends of hers responding that they did not vote for him in 2016 but they're going to in 2020. And so what does she do? She becomes apoplectic. She starts calling her friends. This one guy who's, he's like a registered Democrat. He's still a registered Democrat. He's a lifelong Democrat. He says, I'm still a registered Democrat. I'm going to vote for Trump because I'm really scared of what's happened to my party. And her first response to him is to call him an idiot and a moron and and, base, and say, you know, you're worthless. Right. And it was like she, it was and like Pandora's box opened of all ad hominems and she just like barfed at the guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I couldn't believe, and I, I was like, wow, like, you post asking for one type of person to reply, you don't actually get any of those responses, which should humble you, but it doesn't. And then you get someone who, in good faith, tells you, well, I'm here, and I'm the opposite, and here's why. And he never, even though she was mean to him or rude to him, he never called her names. He was he was the epitome of grace. And I'm like, the first thing you say to him is call him an idiot, and you wonder why he's a registered Democrat is not going to vote for your party? Are you, you wonder why people like me are sick to death of our party? Because of, like, all you need to do is look in the mirror. It's not a big mystery. It's because of this hatred and vitriol coming from you. And so what did she do? She went on and she went on to Harangas in these long posts. She, she assumed his, that, oh, I haven't insulted you enough. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> this will do it. And so then she did these long posts of all, completely all caps about how and, and by the way, talking about the episode we did about assumptions, they're so delusional. She went on to um, basically, she said, we're liars, that we are, uh, we're not liberals, like we said we were. There were several of us in there who were like, well, um, we are liberals who, are, who, in this guy's case, said he is going to vote for Trump. In my case, said I would be open to it, depending on who's voting, who's running. Um, and the third guy said he's voting for Trump. She's like, you're not actually liberals, you're liars. You're Trump voters, you're liars you're racist, you're Nazis, and all of this in caps repeated. Like she called, she must have called me a racist a hundred times in the span of 30 comments. And then new posts about what racist we are or whatever. And if she had called you racist 101 times, you totally would have switched sides though. So in fairness, she was so close to convincing you. And I kept trying to like, I was, I found it interesting because I had just been reading some Carl, some Carl Jung a couple days ago about about unconsciousness being at the root of most evil that that we commit as humans. Like, like being and living unconsciously, you can do any you can do any number of horrific things. And I view that kind of posting as I view her as someone who's unconscious. And and so I asked her like in one of her other posts where she just went on this tear this rant. It was like all caps like this long. You're a racist if you support a racist, and you're a racist, and you're all Nazis, and you're racist. And I'm like, I have a question for you, if you don't mind answering. I'm just really curious. And I said, I'm just really curious. What is your intention when you post stuff like this? Because she did like six or seven of these posts in a row, just all caps, yelling at anyone who disagrees with her. It's like, what is your intention? Is it to persuade people who either don't have an opinion on this already or who don't agree with you? Or is it to signal something to the people who already agree with you? Um, or is it just to get some kind of dopamine high to make yourself feel good? I think it's the last or, one mostly, but maybe the second one. Yeah, probably. Or, or do you not even know what your intention is? Cause I don't think she knows what her intention is. Oh yeah. Is. Like, I, that's yeah. I correct. Yeah. That's the right answer. But it's, but it's secretly the third one and maybe the second. Yeah. Secretly the third one. But <laughs> that's why I asked her. Cause I was hoping I could provoke her to think about it. But of course I, of course I didn't. Because she, she's so deeply unconscious, she can't even sit still and think about why am I posting. She couldn't answer the question. She ne- didn't answer it. But a friend of hers who's like her, who also spent a lot of time calling us racist and everything, he did answer. And let me tell you what he said, because I thought it was very revealing. Now, this woman also um, called us Nazis, uh, talked about her family in Auschwitz and stuff, which I think is really amazing. Because on the one hand, you are using 
and exploiting the Holocaust and your uh, ancestors who went through the Holocaust to defend your hateful vitriol and you're belittling what they went through. Um, and, and meanwhile, simultaneously, you are behaving. You are the one who's actually behaving like a Nazi. Like you're so unconscious that if, if state this woman, Stacy, and the guy who went in, this guy, Mike, if, you, if they were to have a bit of power to do so, they would be the ones shoveling us like into gulags and ovens. Like they, no question, of because course. they view us. Yeah. So Mike was very revealing. He says, I, "I basically asked why do you post stuff like this." He's like, "Here's why we post it because we need to know who is a effing racist. We need to know who to pin the stars on." Yeah. He goes, yeah. or he was stupid enough to defend a racist, sexist scumbag. Um. She goes, it's, he goes, it's important for these people to reveal themselves so we can cut these unsafe parasites from our lives to reduce the strife they bring and to have people we can have a difference of opinion with. But with basically, I, that part gets confusing, but he calls anyone who disagrees with him a parasite. I'm like, does he not realize that Hitler called people parasites? I don't think he does. Do you, do, do you, have you studied your history at all, Mike? Do you know who you sound like? Um, we need to cut these parasites from our lives. Um, and so I just said to him, he went on and on and on more of the same, but I was like, okay, so what I hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that your intention when you post stuff like this is not to learn from people with a difference of opinion and not even to persuade them to your point of view. Your purpose is to identify them, identify the parasites, target them with your hatred dehumanize them, make them something that you can feel comfortable hating so that you can cut them out of your life, these parasites. I'm like, this guy doesn't realize how unconscious they, she doesn't, the two of them don't realize how unconscious they are. And again, like I said, this is how you get people who think they're good people to put people to, to commit genocide, to commit horror, horrific acts against their neighbor, because I'm a parasite to you. You don't even know who I am. I have. I didn't even vote for Trump, but I'm a parasite to you. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then, and then I was like, and you wonder, do you wonder why we're not voting with our party this time? Because that's you're the face of it. These two people are the. You're the face of it to me. You're that to me. You're just two people on the internet. But I've run into so many of you. You have a sickness and a virus, and my party has the sickness and the virus, and um, it's contagious. And that's why I left the party because I don't want to have it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, like. So anyway, it grossed me out. It really grossed me out. But well, that's all. That's my anecdote. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much more to add there. I mean, that's the point of the point of indoctrination. I'm going to come back to this because this, the point of indoctrination in government schools, the point of the point of quote education system, which is not an education system, it's an indoctrination system. The point of that system is that you end up with a population who's very easily ginned up and behaves this way and is willing to throw people into gas chambers that they consider parasites if if the right signals are given to them um, to behave that way. And so it's very hard to, this is why I don't actually spend a lot of time talking to those people. I know that, you know, you you, you want to save them, I think, more than I do, but... Uh, no, no. I, or maybe you're just showing people what they're like, which I, which I think is important, yeah. right? Um, but uh, I don't... You know, I think the the battles need to be fought at the 
you need to fight against the the leader. You need to you need to shoot the officers, right? I'm metaphorically everyone. You need to shoot the officers uh, intellectually uh, because the 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 people on the ground, the the infantrymen, they're just following orders, and those it's uh, deeply ingrained psychologically, and so. The, the right mouthpiece gets up there and says the right words, uh, then you know they'll they'll turn on whoever whoever needs to be destroyed. That they're, they're the army and they're the army. They're an army of NPCs. So you yeah. need to go after the the leaders. Yeah, and when you're living unconsciously, I mean you're a puppet. It's so easy for the leaders, as you're saying, to manipulate these people and to push them to do evil things because they think they're good. You should have read the rest of his rant. I, I, yep. She at one point was like, go ahead and scream, grab all this and make fun of me to your independent friend, your independent friend. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to screen grab it. <laughs> like, right. But, but seriously, I mean, part of the reason I do it, some of them, it depends on the, the ones I'm talking to. Some of them, yeah, yeah, I am hoping, like asking her that question. I was like, maybe I'll provoke a moment of self-reflection where she asks herself, why do I share stuff like this? But I didn't. And and the, but the greater reason I guess I do it sometimes is just because I find it fascinating. I find it really interesting, and I part of my mind is still trying to understand how people can behave this way, and how a person like this who's behaving this way for all the world to see thinks that they're the good guy. That's amazing, and because she thinks she's the good guy, she could do any like that. That's the whole. That's how it happens because yeah. you're so convinced of your goodness. And that all these, you know, it. she didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate to call us, anybody who disagreed in there, uh, racist, Nazis, you know, KKK, whatever. It's like, right. wow, like, you've totally dehumanized us and, and everything you're saying is a lie and you don't care. There's no truth to your words. There's no um, empathy in your words. There's no love in your words. You don't even have good intentions, I don't think. You've... Maybe this person had good intentions at some point, but she's that Nietzsche quote. She's become the monster that she thinks she's fighting. It's like all the, all of her words about fighting racism and you're all racist and whatever. It's like you've become the evil that you think you're fighting. You are that evil. You, that anyway. This stuff fascinates me. That's why I guess I get into it. No, no. And, it, and yeah, if it can if yeah. it can show people what what there are some people who don't come into contact with these kind of leftists. And so I guess I'm like sometimes when I when I have the opportunity, it all it takes is one little poke or di- not even anything aggressive, just to disagree, and that's enough for them to drop their mask and show you everything that's in their heart and mind, and and how dark it is. So anyway. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And um, you know uh. <sighs> We see, we talk about purity spirals. Like, okay, so we pay attention to this stuff in, in I think, uh, in ways where it matters kind of morally and culturally in a big way. Um, but remember when we read Coddling of the American Mind, um, some of what we learned was about the uh, psychology of people who were um, told to, like, for example, trust their feelings no matter what. And, uh, like, uh, everything was, like, good versus evil. And it was this kind of moralistic uh psychology that has been cultivated uh in schools right 
Something that I, I had a conversation with someone over the weekend, which was fascinating to me because you and I see this manifest in, in things like the knitting community with purity spirals. You saw it here. It was just part of what you described on your Facebook conversation. Um, but it actually is happening even in areas that are irrelevant and mundane. Um, and the example that I'll give you is I, I was talking to this person and she was saying she's on one of these apps. I think it's called like Nextdoor or one of those like apps where you neighbors can talk about their community and whatever. And someone posted something about how like, I don't understand why everyone really likes this one grocery store. It's, you know, it's only it's expensive and whatever, whatever it was. They, they had an opinion about a, a freaking grocery store, right? Um, and she said it was crazy, like, 300 people like jumped on this person and just went crazy about how it's awesome and how could you be so wrong and you're horrible and it's the best store ever and what's wrong with you and it was like how is this like how does this matter how does someone get this ginned up about a freaking grocery store opinion? and yeah. and the person i was talking to was like i pri i didn't want to jump in but i privately messaged privately messaged the person and said I get where you're coming from. I don't really shop there, but but like, I know, like I don't want to say anything because like the whole community is going to jump on me about a grocery store opinion. So, it, there's something deeply psychological wrong, psychologically wrong with people right now. Um, in a way that uh, if they go if they go to purity spirals over opinions about grocery stores, and by the way, this was not like this had nothing to do with politics or anything like that. It wasn't like you only you don't like it because it's a person of color grocery store or anything like that. It was nothing. Nothing that would relate to the, the philosophical uh, issues that we discuss at all. It was literally just prices and it's, stuff they it's carry. It's just mob mentality. Yeah, it just just mob mentality. And it's, it was fascinating to me because I think of the mob mentality only in the context of the stuff that we talk about. But the truth is, it's out there, and it's out there everywhere. And it's... Everywhere. It's destroying relationships in small communities just over nothing. That's literally over nothing. Over nothing. It's not even important. See, that's amazing. Yeah, it's not even about ideology. No. It, you're right. Mob, so mob mentality is sort of this human thing that I think transcends ideology. It can be It could be about anything. It's, it's like a... Look, a physical version of watching it these days to me... Um, the way that being in a crowd and being an anonymous person in a crowd. Remember we talked about the guy who had, um, what was it called? Like a uh, riot. I forget what it's called. Threshold theory about being in a riot. Yeah. I actually ended up explaining that to this person who was telling me this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to give an so overview quickly guys, for people who haven't heard you do that? Yeah. If you guys haven't heard us talk about this before, I forget the guy's name. I should really memorize it because we've mentioned this a few times now, but he taught, he had this theory about, um, the threshold at which people will participate in a riot. Um, so there are people with a threshold of zero in a crowd, in a mob of people who will be the first to throw the rock because they're thresholds. They just are waiting for a reason to throw a rock, right? Then there's the people who are threshold of one. They won't throw a rock unless they see somebody else throwing a rock. But once they see somebody else throwing a rock, then they're in, right? And then there's people with threshold of two. It takes quite a few people throwing rocks before they get in. And then it goes on up, right? But he's sort of like everybody has that threshold, or not everybody, but most people, a lot of people have a threshold. Even if they, they'd like to think they wouldn't be the person throwing rocks, it might just be that they, their threshold is not a zero, but it might be a five. And once 98% of people are doing it, they're in too. And there's something very animalistic about that, I think, and tribalistic about that. But um, the way I, I see that play out physically these days is um, the Black Friday sales where you see all the people in Walmart like literally punching 
each other. And oh, I, this past Black Friday, we saw a video of an adult woman snatching something out of a child's hand, you know, and like just people turn into monsters. Um, and they're in it, they're an anonymous face in a crowd. There's something about being that anonymous face. By the way, we should mention, I think we should just say, even though we don't have a date for it yet, we're going to do, we're going to do the madness of crowds for our next book club. Aren't we? Wait, you're muted. I, I started reading it already because I know that's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. You and I talked about okay. it. We just don't have a date. Yeah. If you don't have it yet, go to, go to unsafespace.com and go to our book club page. And if you buy the book Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray through our link, our affiliate link, um, just by going through that link to Amazon, it gives us like a few pennies. A penny. Yeah, I don't know. So. But either way, it's cool to do it through that link. So, um, but that'll be our next book. We'll pick a date for it. But yeah, that because I from what I've read about the book or heard about the book, he, he talks about this, which I think. It, I think is it Mark Grinoviter from Stanford? No. Threshold theory? I'm yeah. not sure. Is that what you found? I'm looking on Wikipedia. It says him, and it was previously proposed by Thomas Schelling and later popularized by Malcolm Gladwell, The Hipping Point, which I never read. Um, I think I read some of his stuff, but I didn't read that. Um, anyway, I was hoping I was hoping you would say yes, but it's all right. Um, Somebody says in chat, Daniel has a good point. He says, I've encountered bomb mentality at the, at the local next door where I am. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a shop. He says, it reminds me of road rage. Yes where you can safely go berserk because you don't have to face them in person. Yeah. Well, yeah, and online mobs are the same way. Think about it. You're anonymous. You're at your keyboard. You're in a group. You're in a pack of other people attacking, you know? Yeah. Um, can we just do a couple Marianne of random things? Says, or are we, do we yeah, want to do more on that? Well, just to put a bow on this, to wrap it up, Marianne says, we have no idea how monstrous we can get. We don't want to see it. Yeah, okay, so that's one of the first, one, one of the things about Jordan Peterson's lectures that I really liked was him talking about how, you know, he'd read a lot of Jung, and so he talked a lot about the shadow and stuff, and he talked about, um, he talked about what, what we were talking about earlier about your our capacity for evil and how if you take a room, he was saying, you know, if you took a room full of 100 students or something, and you asked them if, during the Holocaust if they thought they would have participated, like, Everybody wants to think they wouldn't have. And he's like, but statistically speaking, most of you would have. And I think, I think it, the only way that you can do good it, and, and start to do good and, be, and actually be good and do good is when you realize that, is you realize that. Uh, there's another quote. I think it's C.S. Lewis. He, he says, nobody, I'm going to mangle it, but it's like, uh, nobody knows how truly bad they are until they start to try to be good. Like you have to accept how your own capacity for evil and your own capacity for being monstrous, I think. I agree with all of that that Peterson talked about. I think you have to accept your own shadow and be aware of it before you can actually start living more consciously and making the good choices and and not not participating in evil, which I which I do I thought the idea that you was talking about that comes from unconsciousness or a lot of times it does is really true. That people aren't aware of what they're capable of, and when you're not aware of it, it's easy to become a monster. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's something I like about Jordan as well, and um, it relates to the Stanford Prison Experiment, um, which I know. Uh, yeah. Was, was there even a movie maybe about this? Stanford? I feel like there was, but. Um, I feel like there was. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we we do have capacity for a lot of violence, and that makes sense evolutionarily. Like we we had to be very violent evolutionarily, so. 
yeah, humans have a massive capacity for violence. Um, and being aware and introspective about your own dark abilities uh, is like, like they're going to, they, cause they'll come out. If you're not aware of them, they'll, they'll come out when you're not paying attention. Um, and they'll come out, you know, suddenly you'll join a mob yelling about someone on an app for a grocery store or, you know, uh, or you'll go crazy about with Trump derangement syndrome in a way that's just, um, destructive. So you'll, you'll join Antifa because yeah. you're not self-aware enough to realize that you could be, you could totally have been the person putting people on trains in Auschwitz. Uh, yeah. So people in Antifa, it's like, you just like hitting, you just like violence. Right. And this gives you a reason to justify it. You think you're putting on a mask and beating people up, you, but you enjoy it. A part of you enjoys it and you don't want to accept that. Um, Blackbeard says people created monsters to pretend that there's something worse than us. I absolutely agree. And I love monster movies. I'm a huge um, zombie fan. I love yes. books about zombies, comics about zombies, movies about zombies, a bit of a zombie file. Um, but in one of my favorite things about zombie stories is that the, the really good ones, the ones that become like long running survivor stories is that the real monsters are always, always the people, always the humans who always the people who are left behind people. You see talk about mom mentality that has nothing to do with ideology in these stories or any type of post-apocalyptic story. A lot of times the best ones are talking about human nature and what happens when there's no rules and lawlessness and just, um, it's all about survivalism and just the nature of man and the people that choose to abuse and use others and the people that don't choose that way. Well, I mean, I think that's like, I, I agree. That's the whole purpose of monsters or their, their inventions to, um, their ways to concretize, um, various forms of evil. So vampires, right. They, um, they suck your blood, right. They, they operate in the shadow of night. They're very alluring, um, that's, that's totally metaphorical for, um, an entire kind of, we'll say class of parasitic people, um, who, who do that. I'm obviously not trying to un, unperson them, but whatever, right. Uh, a class of people who, uh, maybe, um, entice you with, um, kind of short lived fun stuff. Like think, think of like people who are into to pushing drugs or like kind of that short-lived kind of fun, but they suck your like life energy and eventually they can turn you into one of them and then you suck other people's life energy. Um, zombies, zombies are like the, the best metaphor I can think of for like the horror of a democracy, right? Zombies are like, this is what a democracy, zombies are what a democracy is. That's what unfettered democracy is. It's the, the dumb, slow crowd where you look at any individual one and you're like they're not a threat they're just a stupid zombie who knows nothing coming after me slowly but ten thousand zombies when you're yeah like stuck <laughs> in the bar uh with one shotgun and five shells you're dead um and like yeah that's how like monster movies are i think are are beautiful monsters generally are beautiful metaphors for um the darker sides of human psyche so yeah. yeah. Well, and zombies in particular, there's so many reasons that that's yeah, one. eating the brain. Sorry. Someone just said eating the brain. Yes. They eat your brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. There's so, there's such good, um, it's such a good metaphor for a lot of reasons. One being the crowd, the mom mentality thing they're talking about, the brainless thing, the indoctrination thing, how they're more dangerous in groups than individually. Um, another reason I think I really like them is because, um, 
different from other monsters or some other monsters. Zombies are monsters who used to be human. And so it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like that moment when, especially my favorite part of the zombie story is, is when, when a person turns, because in a moment you see them go from being someone you know to someone you don't know at all, but they still right. look like the person you thought. Right. You it's always the person you loved or whatever. And like yeah. you watch them die and then suddenly. It's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to plug something since, since we were talking about this and I'm a geek about it. People were talking about the walking dead in chat, which I love that. Um, I love the comics. Um, I like the series. I'm not as into it as I used to be, but I used to be all about that. But if you guys haven't read it, this is a good kind of independent author. Um, the first days it's a trilogy. Her name is, uh, Rhiannon Prater and it's three books. It's really good. If you're just looking for some fun zombie fiction, it's zombie stuff. Even the, even the vampires were once human. Right. And even like, I, I think werewolves are bipolar disorder. Um, like before we had a term for it, right? Uh, or we're talking about bipolar, borderline, borderline personality disorder. I think, I think werewolves are like borderline personality disorder. Like they're fine. And then like one night they go ape shit and they kill people. And then the next day they're like, what do I do? I don't know anything. I didn't know that I did that, right? Um, so I think like a lot of mental disorders are just modeled by monsters before we had the terms to talk about. Wait, wait, wait. I want you to finish that because I talked over you, but I'm just saying I've never thought of that before, and I think that's a great analogy. What were you saying at the end there? No, I'm just saying that I think a lot of these monsters, uh, if you'll notice, a lot of the scariest monsters are, um, they're all derived from humans, right? Zombies, vampires, werewolves. Um, I can't think of another one, but those are the main monsters. They're all they're all derived from human, and I think they were used... Uh, I think before we had the medical technical language to talk about a lot of personality disorders or personality types or dementias, uh, we used <laughs> we used metaphors of monsters. And I like when I see werewolf, I just think, oh, that's someone with borderline personality disorder. Like I, I get that, right? Uh, I I personally vampire? put politicians and uh, a lot of activists into the vampire category, um, but you know. And like I said, democracy for zombies. Am I forgetting monsters, Carrie? Are there other monsters that are common? Well, I was going to say, what did you say vampires are? Are they narcissists? Yeah, I mean, vampires are, yeah, I, I think that they're partly narcissists, but they, because obviously they, they're willing to suck the life energy out of other people. But I also view them as, um, vamp because vampires can't die, basically they can't die. Um, they have no, um, they have no need to temper any of their desires. This is why in vampire movies you see like, um, in vampire stories often, um, when someone becomes a vampire, they become more sensual, right? they they drink a lot they They gamble. They do like all the quote sin things are more sexually active. They don't have a, they, there's no long-term planning. They're not having to worry about the consequences of anything they do. So they're kind of a consequence free thing, which to me is kind of the allure of when you're a teenager and you are trying to choose paths in life, there's this allure, which is kind of a vampiric allure. And um, and I think that's why one of the, I mean, I'm just making this up, right? I think that's why a lot of times vampires are like, they're, they're victims, they, they really like young women as victims, right? Because there's this, there's this allure of like, just enter this life of debauchery and fast living and sin. It's fun, you can live forever is the lie, right? You can live forever, all you have to do is agree to ruin other people's lives. Um, and, and, and it's fine. And so, and it becomes, and it's, you can stay attractive forever. It's this kind of myth of like, this is the, this is the temptation is to become this vampire. Um, when an actual, you know, but 
you're actually a monster if you're a vampire. It's just you don't have any conscience either, right? Vampires have no conscience. Um, so they don't, they don't feel guilty about anything. You don't see vampires wandering around like, oh, I feel bad that I ate that old lady or whatever it was. They don't care. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, I, I think vampires are totally a metaphor for those people in society that you want to keep your kids away from as they get older, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Okay, I really love this. I know we're off on a tangent, but I, I just, I want to continue it for just a minute or two longer because this, this is fascinating to me. Um, I mean, and people have talked about a long time about zombie movies and um, what, like, George Romero, the old, how, how zombie movies uh, and, and monster movies and horror movies in general become popular when the population, there's a time of unrest. Because, like, what was it Blackbeard in chat said, or somebody in chat said, if things are really horrible, you're almost looking for something else to, to focus on. Like, mo- like, during times of war, horror movies become popular. Because then you're, like, distracting yourself from the actual horror that's happening yes. in society, right? Yes. And and so a lot of times people have talked about like the different um, the Romero films, for example, about the political subtext of each one and what it meant culturally and politically at the time. And um, and one of the things I've thought about is different horror movies, how uh, culturally there are different uh, tropes and, and different types of monsters depending on what culture you're talking about in film. So, for example. My friend who, I have a friend who's Korean who told me once all about how um, the the whole, the trope of, or the, the film monster of like the girl with the long, dark, black hair, like these young girls and women who were kind of possessed, sort of monstrous, that that's a really cultural thing. The same way that I think of zombies as being, well, it's from a lot of different cultures, but one type of zombie has become an American cultural monster. And, and so that really fascinates me. If I ever have, I haven't had time to read a lot about it, but I would love to read about just like the monsters of different cultures and what that might say about why that particular monster evolved in that culture. Oh, that, like, what yeah, does that mean? That could be cool. Do you know? Yeah. Um, there's one, okay, so when I was in, when I lived in Tanzania, there was this guy I hung out with um, a bit, quite a bit, who... he was teaching me about cultural things that you wouldn't learn in a classroom, just taking Swahili or whatever. And, um, and I, and vice versa, I was teaching him about like his English was perfect, but he wanted to learn slang and stuff. And so he was, um, I was telling him about vampires and he hadn't heard about vampires. And then he said, and I had to look up the word because I'd forgotten it. He told me about the Popobawa. It's P O P O B A W A. And it's a myth in Tanzanian Zanzibar. Um, it's a creature who is, it's sort of like a vampire because uh, it's a demon who appears as a normal human by day and as a one-eyed bat-winged monster at night. The Popobawa, here's the difference, and he told me this, the Popobawa comes into your home at night and then rapes everyone. Like, what a crazy wow. legend is that, Yeah. right? Like, it's like a vampire, but like even more of that. Sort a sexual, of sexual vampire. Yeah. yeah, sexual vampire. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, a couple okay, people I in chat brought up some good things. I just want to throw out about vampires. Nicole pointed out like they have no reflection, right? Which is lack of introspection, probably, and also lack of conscience. But also, uh, Daniel Keene points out like, and they're destroyed by sunlight. Like, yes, exactly. Like, if the truth is that like sunlight destroys them, truth destroys the vampire. Um, the truth is that you don't live forever, and blah blah blah. So if you can expose them to the truth, they're dead. Um. Sorry, Carrie, were you going to say something else? No, no that's it. I, I could hear you. I have my um, 
I had to get up for a second, but I have my new, uh, what do you call them? Wireless headphones in. Like yeah, that is true. They're destroyed by sunlight. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we should do a whole episode where we actually read about this before we talk about it. I know, I feel like I should have thought about this. I just, like, this just all, like, came out. I wasn't planning on to talk about monsters. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. You know what? Uh, I should, some people were confused by some, wait, do you want to keep talking about monsters or should we move on? No, 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 no. Okay. Let's move on. Plus, yeah. I know it's close to time to go. I just, I want to address a couple things. One very small thing. Some people were confused in chat about why um, people were talking about Andrew, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and economists. Um, and I just want to clarify for those of you who missed it. She was it Milton Keynes. She said she, she combined the names of two economists and and mentioned Mil, I think it was Milton Keynes um, instead of Milton Freeman or uh, John Maynard Keynes. And so uh, she again revealing her expertise in the field of economics mentioned this. So people are mocking now and they're combining names of economists or even people who aren't economists saying that this is my favorite economist. Um, so that's what's going on in case people were worried or are, are confused about that. Milton Bradley, right? Someone said Milton Bradley is my favorite economist. I think she meant Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Who knows what she meant. <laughs> Morgan Freeman is her favorite. That, so. I think Milton Bradley might be her favorite economist. Well, much like the Oscars, I'm happy when I don't hear anything about. I know, I know. We, no, no, no one needs to hear anything about AOC, <laughs> but but there it is. Um, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Keith because he sent an email that I have yet to respond to because it requires work, <laughs> um, honestly, uh, about um, b the American, like... Uh, like American identity, like what it means to be American. Um, we mentioned this on the show at some point, and I guess we should dive deeper into it. So I'll shout out to Keith. I will do that. I'll respond to your email. But I don't think I could give you good answers right now in the chat So, uh, or during the show. So um, I don't know, Carrie. Do you have – I've got one other thing I, I could mention. Well, we got, I got a couple things I could mention. Is there anything you want to talk about or no? No, I'm good. Okay. I want to bring up boomers because we mentioned boomers earlier, and it was related to um, it was related to something that I saw on Twitter. Someone was posted on Twitter, and it said, "And I recognize we have a lot of uh, technically we have a lot of boomers in in chat. So uh, everything I'm about to say is uh, I don't want to say this. I'm speaking in generalities, not about you specifically. I could dig on Gen X as well. I'm a Gen Xer. It doesn't, you know." Some of what I might say about Gen X probably applies to me too, but whatever. Um, so someone wrote on Twitter, for first, first of all, for all of those who use the phrase okay boomer as an insult, are you ignoring that age may bring more experience, experiences and learned stuff, or are you just ageist bigots? And I know there's this thing of like, hey, ageist bigots, um, people don't like the, the term boomer. Um, I, I was very confused when I first heard the term boomer because... Um, it was being applied to people who actually weren't baby boomers, um, technically. Yeah, we did. Let me jump in for a second. We did an episode, if you guys haven't seen it. Um, I, I'm blanking on the title, but it was about Zoomers, Boomers, and Doomers. I think it has and like a picture like, of an NPC on the front cover or something, right? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But it was a – or no, it had the clown. It had the clown on it. But Oh, yes. It was, um, it was about the language that a lot of Zoomers are using <laughs> – 
and they were using boomers as a word to mean anybody who's 30 and over, which includes millennials and Gen X and actual boomers. Which yeah, I in fact, there was a phrase, really right? There was funny. 30-year-old boomer was a phrase, which confused me for a yeah. while. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I will have – so – but I want to – I want to talk about this for just a sec because there's a boomer mentality that is, I think, intended. When people say boomer, they're, they're talking about a particular mentality, not necessarily an age, although it does correlate sometimes with that age. Um, and uh, I'll just tell you a little bit of what I learned about it. So I had a friend describe it to me thusly, which I like. She said, uh, a boomer is the person, a, a boomer is the dad who had a collectible car and would never let his son touch the car ever, even drive it or even touch it. Um, and then when the son grows up, the dad makes fun of him for not being able to change the oil on a car or fix the car, right? Um, it's like Cameron's dad in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, that's the boomer attitude. And, you know, the, the truth is about boomers, and, I, you know, this may piss some people off, but let's just be real about what happened during the boomer generation, particularly. America went from being a creditor economy to um, trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Our government expanded all these government programs that we talk about, this, this huge welfare state, the giant expansion of government happened on the watch of the boomers. Um, and so if you're a younger generation person and you've got boomers telling you like, well, when I was your age, I just worked and got a job and like I could afford a house, um, things are different. Um, for younger generations. College is way more expensive. When my dad, who is a boomer, went to college, he was able to pay for his entire college and his um, room and board during college by having a fruit stand on a farm uh, during the summers, right? And I think he might have also worked part-time somewhere else. But, like, he made up enough money in the summer doing menial labor to pay for college. So it, things have changed dramatically, and it's been under the watch of boomers. And so... There seems to be this attitude of a lot of boomers, not all boomers, but there's an attitude of a lot of boomers that's like, well, what's your problem, kid? I don't care. Like, when I was your age, I worked hard and blah, blah, blah. And that may all be true, but what the boomers have done is they've uh, they've massively expanded the welfare state. They've massively expanded taxes. They've massively expanded regulations. They've uh, put our country in trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. They've got – they now have the benefits of Social Security and um, – and Medicaid and think that they're going to enjoy in their retirement. If anyone threatens to get rid of them, the, the boomers are up in arms and very angry about getting rid of what they're, quote, entitled to. But people like me, Gen X, I paid my entire life into Social Security, and I'm not going to see a dime of it. And Gen Z is not going to see anything either. So um, the, the pushback against boomers is the attitude that boomers have towards younger generations acting like Things are just like it was I was able to do it. Why can't you? That's a boomer attitude because society's changed partly as a result of boomer voting and what boomers have done to the country. And to take no responsibility for that and to dismiss the complaints of younger generations is the boomer attitude. And so um, I get that some people may be offended by this. But like and again, I'm speaking in generalities like. Gen X has done stuff that I'm not taking credit for because I didn't do those things. I didn't vote the way that the rest of Gen X voted, and I didn't advocate for the same things. But as a culture, as a, as a generation, boomers did those things, and, and, and they simultaneously seem to have this attitude towards younger generations that is uh, dismissive of the hardships that younger generations have. That's what I want to say about boomers. I like it. I like that you defined your terms. 
but it's about the attitude and not necessarily the age. I mean, these things are in the chat where people are talking about what age group is boomers, and it's so arbitrary anyway to cut well, off. Well, technically, it's baby it, boomers after World War II. That's that's what boomers are. Right, but I mean, what year do you cut it off? Some people say 1960s, some people say 1965. It just yeah, you know, it's, it's the same thing with Gen X and millennials, and like I'm right, I'm right on the line between the two. Like I'm right between. I'm I'm. Are you Gen X, Gen Y running that line? Yeah, I'm I'm technically Gen X, but I'm right at the line, uh, very close to uh, Gen. Well, they for a while they were before they decided on the years. I was in Gen Y, and then they, then they moved the year back or something. Yeah. So arbitrary. Yeah, and yeah. and look, it's everything's not Boomer's fault, right? Az Gardner points out. She says that. Uh, um, I blame the greatest generation too. They loved FDR. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is not. It's not like boomers are responsible for everything. That 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 it's the it's that a lot of boomers now have that attitude. It's it's that attitude that's being pushed back against when people say, "Okay, boomer." Um, so it's not an ageist thing. It's a it's a it's a pushback on that particular attitude. And I I'm like trying to not grow up and to be with. like an old curmudgeon who thinks all the younger generations are idiots. Like I have problems with younger generations, but the truth is like generations before me and my generation didn't always do the best job for younger generations. So, it, you know, it, things aren't, it's not as simple as like, well, when I was a kid, I just blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's kind of a meaningless thing to say. The world has changed dramatically and we're all partly responsible for it. Well, Okay. So I was just going to say I like that we've come up with OK Harvard as an insult. Yes. And <laughs> we should use that more often. OK Harvard is a way uh, better insult, but yes. But yeah. OK. I think we should wrap it up. It's been almost an hour and a half. Yeah, I think we could wrap it up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool to wrap it up. Unless anyone else has anything that we absolutely need to talk about in chat today. Uh, I think I think we're good. People aren't mad at me for talking about boomers, so that's surprising. I expected Here's, some hatred, but whatever. Maybe they just logged off and stopped watching. No, I'm not mad at you. I'm glad you defined it. I'm going to tell you guys a secret. I have these new headphones that were gifted to me, and they are wireless. And so when Carter goes on one of his long talks, I can go to the bathroom and still hear him, and you guys don't know. <laughs> Do you at least mute yourself? Because I don't want, like, a naked gun moment. <laughs> I did. I don't think that there's a microphone on it. I hope not. <laughs> I know. Uh, this was fun today. Excellent. I'm glad we got to talk about monsters and boomers and. This totally did not where, where, go where I thought it was going to go, but it's great. <laughs> so I'm. I enjoyed the conversation. So yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, We'll, we'll be back. Okay, we're, oh, two things, two announcements before I forget. Okay, so one, book club, we're going to pick a date. It'll roughly be about a month from now. We'll pick a date, we'll announce it. But we're, the next book we're doing is Douglas Murray's, again, The Madness of Crowds. If you don't already own it, um, if, you have, if, if you have the time, go to unsafespace.com and click on book club and buy it through our link. That would be cool. Um, and uh, the other thing is, we're working on planning this retreat that we've talked about and we've decided we're going to do it in the fall to give us more time to plan and also people to give people more time to save money and to make preparations if they want to come out. So I'm going to be putting up a poll. I tried to do it already, but it, it only gave me two options. So anyway, I'm going to put up a poll today. Um, if you're on Facebook, go to the Facebook page 
Um, if you're not on Facebook and you want to have a say, I would say email us at speak at unsafespace.com. But we're going to put up a couple of different dates in September, late September, early October, and just pick the ones that would or could work for you if you think you're likely to come. That's all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Keith the Hat Guy says, when Carrie goes out of visual range, please mute. <laughs> <laughs> we become an entirely different channel when Carrie comes out, if we don't mute when Carrie goes out of range. It's a totally different crowd. Um <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, uh, we're going to do the retreat. Uh, it's going to be, just to be clear, we're just going to rent probably a big house somewhere in Texas and uh, just hang out for a couple days. There's not, like, it's not going to be, uh, I don't know. It's not a giant event. where We don't have an audience that's big enough for a giant event, but we figure we could, there's probably a handful of people who want to hang out, so we'll do that. We'll do some activities and hang out and, and whatever. Yeah, uh, we figure we'll plan some activities. We'll probably include food we're still figuring it out and you know we'll have fun yeah. hanging out maybe go to the gun range maybe definitely go to the gun range yes maybe yes. do some two-step in enjoy some barbecue yeah yeah all right well thanks everyone for watching please don't forget to like share subscribe you can go to unsafespace.com to subscribe there you can also support us um financially either with uh cryptocurrency or um or fiat and uh and you can also buy merch if you want to support us that way and uh and you can like share and subscribe so thanks everyone have a good uh have a good day and we'll see you tomorrow bye bye carter <laughs>